Hey there, podcast listeners. Guess what? The Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks May 2nd and 3rd, 2020 at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. It's coming up. The multi-layered surfboard manufacturing industry gathers under one roof. Shapers, Gloucester, Sanders, artists, surfboards, wetsuits, fins, tons of gear, live shaping, seminars, live music, everything that has to do with those sacred crafts. We love so much the surfboard, the boardroom. Public facing trade show, May 2nd and 3rd at the Delmar Fairgrounds. Check it out. FYI, CBD, a safe, legal, and 100% natural way to replenish the endocannabinoid system in the human body, resulting in unparalleled health benefits. Why wouldn't you? Go to FYICBD.com right now. Use promo code BOARDROOM20 to get 20% off your order at checkout. BOARDROOM20 at checkout. FYI, CBD. Go there now. Monkey Surf Resort, as many of you know, I'm going to the Tello Islands this season. I'll be visiting the Monkey Surf Resort, a luxury Tello Island surf resort in Sumatra, Indonesia, providing better access to premier Tello Island waves. Monkeysresort.com, check it out. The California Gold Surf Auction has upwards of 50 vintage collectible culturally significant surfboards on the auction block. May 2nd. Discretion, trust, and passion are foundational pillars our buyers and sellers count on to maintain the integrity of the market and their investments. California Gold Surf Auction.com. Our guest builds forward-thinking surfboards coming out of the San Diego area, and he's been doing it for quite a while now. He's laminating carbon fiber onto EPS cores via vacuum-bagged fabrication. Strong, light, and oh-so-right. He's got his eye on the prize, focused, a skunkworks-like visionary. Anything carbon under Kai Lenny, John John Florence, or Ian Walsh's feet went through this man's production line. He's got a never say never, always say let's try it attitude. The Boardroom Podcast with Justin Turnus. Let us begin. Could be bass, could be bass. Right. Justin Turnus, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. It's good to have you here, finally. Thanks, Scott. Stoked to be here. Cheers. Finally. I think it's been, it was 2018, I think, when you reached out. Yeah. And it's 2020, so here we are. <laughs> That's how I roll, I guess. <laughs> A little slow. Um, so, JT Surfboards, Dark Arts. Yep. Is the Dark Arts Surf is sort of like the brand, right? Or yeah. your business name? or Yeah. So Dark Arts Surf is um, basically my way of separating my little brand of JT against what I do, and that's make carbon fiber surfboards. So yeah. um, I realized that I need to separate the two because I think it could be more than what it is, which was just kind of a glassing service to – 
a lot of friends and local guys in San Diego. Yeah. So. Cool. So let's back up a little bit. Um, yeah. Do you play a musical instrument? I do. Really? Yeah. Which one? I play the bass. Yeah, and guitar. And I kind of... Are you a guitarist that got pushed to the bass? <laughs> Are you yeah, a bassist? Right, <laughs> right, right. Kind of. Well, it was. Uh, I was younger and just played in a little punk band and... They needed a bass player and not a guitar player. So I just said, well, I'll try that. And so I did that. Cool. So um, so how I, often do you play? Um, I played quite a bit until taking on this new venture, which yeah. has kept me busy. But um, I used to play out a lot with a, a band Who? that I played in. What band? Uh, the band was called Skip Jack. Skip Jack? And it's a punk band in san diego it's been around for 20 years so right yeah and you're the bass player in skipjack bass player in skipjack one of many or were you the only uh, one? <laughs> yep no it was one of many so probably the right. third yeah right yep and would you like play like the casbah and stuff like that you know, i've played the casbah i played the casbah when i was 19 wow i had to wait outside yeah because <laughs> i wasn't old enough to go in but um I, play, I think i've played every bar in san diego that you could play oh that's much. pretty cool so, yeah i love music and uh yeah. So you've where did you get this musical? Um, like when did you start playing the guitar and start? I mean, you must have been a kid, right? Like, yeah, I was like thirteen, yeah. I think. My mom bought an acoustic guitar. My mom's side of the family is very musical. My uncle played in a band um, in North Dakota, and they were pretty hot and whatever. So my mom plays the piano, and my daughter right now is taking lessons at School of Rock. So cool. yeah, the music thing is. It's pretty important to oh, us. Oh, for sure, right? Yeah. And do you noodle around in the garage still, or do you like do you just play to YouTube or whatever? Or? Yeah, every every now and then when I get a yeah. Good time, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So. And so for me, where did you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in Hamul. Yep, I was born in North Dakota, and my parents divorced when I was three or four. And my mom drove my brother and I from North Dakota to Ocean Beach. Wow. So we lived in on Bacon Street near Newport. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid going to Dog Beach and going in the surf and doing all that. Um, and I went to kindergarten in OB. So my brother and I would walk to school. Yeah. And we'd also, I have memories of walking to Newport, just no parents, just my brother and I, which is crazy. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing, but... <laughs> Um, cruising around Newport, going to the arcade and stuff like that. So, yeah. And then my parents said, you know, this OB is kind of crazy. We should move the kids out to the country. So yeah. they bought 18 acres out in Hamul. And I remember showing up to that and it was like, we pulled up to this property and there was nothing on it. They were like, we're here. And there was no house. It was just like a well. <laughs> And we camped in the truck until, you know, it was cool. How old were you then? Cool. Like five, I six? I was like seven? five, yeah. About five, yeah. So it was an were adventure. You, were you heartbroken a little bit or was it too young to be heartbroken? I think I was a little too young. Yeah. I, it was just kind of the next adventure, you know. Yeah. Um, but that one I'll never forget, just like pulling up and be like, wow, this is cool, but not really caring that there's no house. Like it didn't really, didn't register really, you know. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing? Take a bath in the garden hose, whatever, you know, yeah. it was just kind of hippie kind of thing, yeah. which is cool, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So I had a pretty, pretty good childhood out there in the All country, right. yeah. full on country style, you All know? Right. Did you play other sports as a kid? <laughs> uh, baseball. Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Were you good? 
I think I was pretty good at baseball. Yeah. 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 yeah we, we played in Homo Little League, and my buddy's dad had like a batting cage in his backyard he made and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think uh-huh. I was pretty good at that. Hmm. Yeah. And you, you have some roots in OB, but tell me a little bit about, um, you know, how you first got an identity as a surfer. You first sort of tasted the surf and got a, got a feel for the ocean. Yeah. So, uh, while growing up in Hamul, uh, in the summers, my friend's dad had a place in Mexico, um, on the Gulf side on the river and we would go down there as kids and I'd stay probably a month down there with him, um, water skiing. And, and then, uh, as, as I got into high school, that kind of faded away and basically, a buddy of mine sold me his uh, Takayama longboard in high school. I think it was like 1997. So I was a little late bloomer on the surf thing, but um, it kind of translated pretty quick and easy for me. So I started surfing uh, probably around then. And, and you and you school friend. And you just started going down to the beach from Hamul. Yeah, and surfing. Yeah, yeah. and and I th- and I remember in high school there was a guy Ryan Chanel. I think he works for Rusty. Maybe I don't remember. But Ryan Chanel would drive from Hamul to the shores or Scripps every day to surf. Radical. And, yeah, so um, there's Hamul kids out there that, that surf for sure. Right. It's just uh, – They're the hungry uh, ones. Yeah. Did you, were you a little hungry because you didn't – I loved it. Yeah. I, I would go every day hours for hours. I would be in the water for hours. Yeah. And it was like Sunset Cliffs up anywhere, you know, just wanted to surf. And I had a VW bus, and I I would sleep in the bus. I'd go to Mission Beach. I'd sleep in the bus. I had my longboard in the van, and I'd stay overnight. I'd wake up and surf, and then I'd go to work at a glass shop, which is where I got to start with the whole okay. surfboard building thing. But yeah. So, what was this glass shop? So it's funny. I I, I loved surfing, and I was like, well, I need a job. So I said, well, maybe I could get a job doing something with surfboards. So I went in the yellow pages before there was phones and all that, you know, <laughs> you go in the yellow pages and you look up fiberglass or whatever. Yeah. And I found a, a fiberglass works unlimited. It was called. And I called him and I said, yeah, I'm just looking for a job. And, uh, this guy, Jason Haji answered and he's like, yeah, come in. So I show up the next day and there's nobody there. <laughs> right, typical glass shop, whatever. Everyone's probably surfing. So, um, Haji's at the Mission Jetty. Yeah, Haji's out uh, surfing the jetty, and uh, and so I just hang out. I'm waiting. There's nobody there, and they finally show up, and 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 he's like, "Yeah, come on in." It was just like, don't fill out anything. Just yeah, this is called a FCS plug. You put this here and just start doing stuff. And here's another QC guy, and he'll show you what to do. How old were you? I think that was 1998, 99. So I was 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was very interesting. Do you think Haji was just like, this guy's got balls to just call me on the phone? And so maybe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give him a job. Maybe he saw something in me. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. I was, you know, I was there. I was ready and, and eager. Yeah. And uh, I knew nothing really. I mean, I fixed a couple of things on my own board, but I really yeah. knew nothing. And um, that was when Rusty was really they were a big deal, you know, they yeah. were doing tons of boards back then. Yeah. And, um, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was a good, 
And this Fiberglass USA, this is this place where you work. Fiberglass Works, yeah. Fiberglass Works was this at Rusty's factory in, on Mira, in Mira Mesa, or were they just doing boards no, everywhere? It's, it's weird because nobody really knows about Fiberglass Works, which I've is I've never heard of it. Right? So yeah. that's weird because uh, it was off Pacific Highway across from the Marine Corps Depot. Mm. And Brian Jones, uh, his dad, Lee Jones, started it. And Brian Jones and his brother, Michael, ran it. And they did everything from Lost's to Rusty to, man, Dennis Jarvis's stuff. I mean, we saw a ton of stuff. Wow. Brewers. We'd do a bunch of brewers. Yeah. And, um, so it was kind of like an overflow, like when guys just had, they just like, dude, I need a glass shop. And yeah. Like it was an overflow. It's and a, you were just, it was a big glass shop. It yeah. It was a big one. And, and it was like a diamond or a PSG right. just right. south. Right. You know? Um, and that's where I met Chris Christensen. He had a, he was renting a shaping room out of there. Oh, I see. And, right. um, yeah. And Brewer was shaping boards right there, wasn't he? A little bit or no? I never saw him, but um, yeah, he probably was in and out or something right. before I was there. Right. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Because him and Chris, right? Go so back. exactly. That's yeah. kind of the connection I was making. So so you start there at Fiberglass Works and you're just basically just kind of grunting it through and learning how to do stuff. Yeah, and- I'm a shop floor sweeper and a QC kid, but then uh, quickly I was kind of running the office kind of thing because back then if you didn't know anything about surfboards they wouldn't let you in the back right like the glassers and those guys are like no you can't come back here don't touch anything right like nowadays they're just like oh you need a we need a sander come here i'll show you how to sand (laughs) it's two different things back then it's like no the sand and back then airbrushers and and sanders they could buy houses on yeah what they made you know not not now there's just the lack of work and stuff like that so um i quickly moved up into that like a business, like a business, like an administrative role. Almost. Yeah, like, like you were the front, you were the face of the fiberglass work. Right. I walked in, you were there, going, "What do you need?" Yeah, I remember Joel Tudor came in, and you know he'd pay for boards or whatever, and he doesn't yeah. probably remember me now, but yeah, um, yeah. So I All was right. there behind the desk invoicing. Dan Mann would come in, pay for his boards and and whatever. So, right. Yeah. And and were did you have any like in high school? Did you have any sort of did you did you sort of lean towards like metal shop and wood shop and, and tools and handwork, like, you know, like rather yeah. than say like poetry or something? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Exactly. So I did, I took wood shop, metal shop, automotive shop. I took all the shop classes. My stepdad, he's uh, super smart from a farm in Nebraska. He's got a physics degree from UCSD. Um, worked at Scripps Institute of Oceanography, was a diver. Um, but he could also like when I was a kid, he was welding and then he would take our tractor apart, like in half and Uh put it back together and just like show me like you could kind of do anything. Like you just fix it. Yeah. You just, this is how you do it. Take it apart, put it back together. And I saw that as a kid. It was like, wow, like you could just kind of do anything, which is, yeah, you can in a sense, but you can't to a degree, you know, but, um, seeing that it kind of, just gave me this idea of like, oh, surfboard, you can just make it. You know what I mean? Or something's broken, you can just fix it. Yeah. So that's I think that's where I get that mentality from. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like to do what you're doing, which is pretty um, almost, a, I don't know if futuristic is the right word. Maybe it's really contemporary now. But right. but relative to the surf industry, it's pretty forward thinking. What right. You're doing. Yeah. Um, it seems like you would you know, sort of have to have some kind of 
like that tinkering sort of gene where you're like, I can do this, you know? And so it makes sense that you picked this up from your yeah. stepfather. Yeah. I think my passion is like solving problems or trying to figure out better ways of doing things or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm always chasing something. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, when is this going to end? <laughs> is it, is it right. something that's going to end <laughs> hopefully soon? Like I think I've solved all the problems I think I can solve. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so Obviously, working at Fiberglass Works, you learned all the ins and outs of building a surfboard. Yeah. Right? I mean, at some point, you're, like, yeah. laminating the boards. You're probably saying – I mean, you understand the process enough so that you're like, hey, I can I can do this on my own. Yeah. So, basically, uh, Fiberglass Works was sold to my friend Dan. And when Dan bought it, um, that's when I really got into, like, the nuts and bolts of surfboards. I was like, I want to sand, Dan, and I want to be in the office. He's like, all right, go learn how to sand. So I. So that was sort of a, a big thing that Dan took over, and it allowed you to kind of go, hey, what yeah, about me? Yeah, yeah. I, I was always, always the last guy. At Fiberglass Works, I was the last guy there, and 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 so I kind of just rolled in to the shop when Dan Dan acquired it. And right. um, then, I, then I was, like, working on surfboards, sanding boards and stuff like that. He, he really – believed in me and gave me the opportunity and um i just kind of ran with it and yeah. it, it wasn't easy like i remember sanding my first board with glass on fins and it was took me five hours and it was awful <laughs> you know and i'm like what am i doing you know yeah. so but yeah the nuts and bolts of making a surfboard like i was eventually i, w- I was the glosser i would gloss sea eyes and i would sand 10 boards a day and stuff like that so i became a professional um production shop guy right you know in a sense so and and at each phase of this board building process the fabrication process did you have a mentor that kind of looked over you or was dan just like i'll be your guy let me show you how real quick how to do this boom boom dude just make sure you don't do that and yeah like you were kind of left into your own devices to figure it out on your own or did you have like a chris christensen breathing down your neck type yeah no so chris chris and i met when i was at fiberglass works and i used to just hang out at the end of the day and just watch chris shape and and we talk music because yeah. his dad I think played guitar and stuff like that. So yeah. we talked a lot of music, and I just watch him shape. Um, when Dan bought the shop, Stu Kenson was there, and Stu's like powerhouse. Yeah, I can show you how to do everything. Yeah. He can faster, fish and shape a surfboard than, at the same time, faster than everybody, right? right. So I mean, the, Stu is like watching me sand glass on this. He's like, no, you have to do it this way, you know, and then glassing fins on he's give me that get your gloves off i mean it was like hands in the resin hands in the acetone back then you know it's like that whole thing but he he really taught me how to just get after it you know as he does in shaping and stuff Stu's like he's yeah yeah he's rad that's pretty cool um i learned a lot from him and um and then a lot of the guys like brian Wynn, who makes boards in jersey he was a laminator. That guy's a stud board builder, too. He can airbrush, shape, glass. I mean, he's incredible. There's so. quite a few of these guys around, huh, that just do not get sort of their due. If, in fact, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, for it sure. It feels like these. there's a lot of, like, underground craftsmen. No, for you know sure. I mean? Yeah, there was a guy, Wayne, that would laminate at Fiberglass Works. He'd go in and do 20 yeah. at night, you know, and he was an amazing laminator. And it's like where's Wayne now? Like, I don't know what he's doing. You know, I think 
so yeah. else. But yeah, there's tons of guys like Brian Wynn is an amazing board builder, like great shaper, amazing glasser. Yeah. Like knows a lot. Yeah. But you know, yeah. There's a, I was just at Ropers a little while ago and there's guys in there and they're like, and I'm just like, these guys are killing it. And Killing. I don't even, I don't know who they are. Yeah. You know? Not yeah. that I should, but I no. mean. Yeah. There's a lot of magicians out there. Yeah. There yeah. Oh, to the glassers out there. You're out there slinging resin. Yes. Good we raise our, guys. we raise our glass yeah, to you. Yeah, for sure, man. It's not an easy thing, you know? I've often, I really want to somehow um, give them their due through this. Remember that, well, we still have that, that um, shaper's tree. Yeah. It'd be cool if there was like a glasser's tree, you know, and we could yeah, we be- could pin it on one guy where it all started, probably Bob Simmons or something like that, right? right? And then just have that thing morph out, you know? Yeah. It'd be cool. And I've actually talked to Gary Stuber a little bit about this, but enough about me. Yeah. Um, Gary Stuber's rad. When did you have your aha moment regarding, so, I mean, at this point, you know how to build surfboards, right? And you're building boards and, and at some point you're like, geez, this vacuum bag thing seems like the way to go. Like, tell me about the aha moment where yeah. you're like, these guys are kind of doing it backwards. No offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love, I love the traditional made surfboard. I, I think it's got a place and it's great. Um, for me, it was when Firewire bought Dan's shop, North wind. Um, Dan went to go learn the process in Australia and came back and said, this is what we're making. So I still have the first Firewire I made with Dan. I think it was the first five. It was one for Mark, Dan, myself, and I think maybe Chewy or somebody else. You still have that board? I still have it, yeah. And that, back then, the whole idea was we're going to make customs in California. We're, we're going to build boards. Or actually, back then, maybe it was we're going to build boards just in California. We're going to try to do this. Yeah. and I th- Firewire, and I, meaning firewire. Yeah. And I was, it was Dan and I at, at his shop. Everybody else kind of left. We call ourselves the last of the Mohicans. Dan and I do. Um, yeah. Kind of as a joke or whatever. Yeah. But... <laughs> I learned right then. It's funny because I just listened to your podcast with Burt Berger, who I saw at Surf Expo. Gave him a big hug because the last time I saw him was, I think, 2007 or six or something. Yeah. Um, but he came back and learning the how Burt builds boards, I guess, has been done since the 70s. But it was totally new to me because I came from this poly glass shop production world. A little bit of epoxy. And when you mean the way Bert builds surfboards, do you mean the sandwich construction vacuum bag? Yeah, and there is a vacuum bag element to it. So, yeah, yeah, you, I don't want to, I mean, I don't, whatever. Well, that's interesting to me. So, since the 70s, they've been vacuum bagging, like in the windsurf, maybe in the windsurf. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because you talk to Peter at Moonlight and he's like, well, yeah, we've been making sandwich construction corsel boards since the 70s. Obviously, not as good and as refined as they are today, but, um, but once I learned how to build boards like sandwich construction, that kind of opened up a whole new realm of like how to make a surfboard. It's like, whoa, you take this skin and you bag it on the bottom and then you put wood on the rails and then you rough shape that and then you bag a top on and then you finish shape and now it's ready to glass. It's like, wow, you just made your own blank like kind of crazy and it's light and it bends and it's really cool. So that just kind of sparked a new flame because building surfboards so your aha moment do you think was it there at with dan and firewire and and burt burger yeah because the beginning of firewire i was i was involved a lot in their glassing setup and the whole how is this gonna work yeah you know it was like justin what do you think whatever dan what do you think kind of thing um and that sparked an interest in an alternative way to make a surfboard 
I guess, which Bert's been doing for a while and which has always been done. Yeah. But in the poly production world, it was new to me. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I guess down the road with Firewire, um, just seeing all the crazy machines they brought on and, and implementing new ways of making boards just really showed me like, hey, you can kind of make surfboards in radical ways, you know, yeah. and they work pretty good. Yeah. You know, so. They work great. Yeah. So. Right? That's that was interesting to me. Interesting. Yeah. So, so your aha moment was there at Firewire, right yeah. in the early stages, and and Bert Berger was a part of that. Yeah, that's yeah. Am- okay. Hey, just a quick break in the podcast to tell you about FYI CBD. CBD provides therapeutic medicinal benefits, soothes nausea and vomiting, acts as an antioxidant to reduce free radicals that cause neurodegenerative disorders. And works as an anti-inflammatory to reduce swelling. CBD also stimulates appetite and relieves pain in those joints and in that back. FYICBD.com. Use promo code BOARDROOM20 at checkout for 20% off. Go there now. Buy some FYICBD. BOARDROOM20, 20% off. FYICBD.com. Now back to the podcast. On your website, it says the missing puzzle piece in today's surfboard fabrication is the refined epoxy glass job. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I think for, for me, it's trying to figure out an epoxy board that kind of checks a lot of boxes and a lot of boxes that the poly board would check um, to where it competes in that realm at, the top stage, you know, like top guys use polyester surfboards. They're used to them. They work really good. Like how do you make an epoxy board that they put under their arm and they're like, Oh yeah, this thing's amazing. You know, cause yeah. most of them are like, yeah, it works pretty good or it has its nuances, but their poly board is everything to them. And my thing is like, well, maybe there is, a way to build a board where it does check all those boxes. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's kind of that missing puzzle piece that I'm hunting down and right. trying to refine. Right. And, so. and your boards now, I mean, your, your boards are these carbon fiber, super light, uh, EPS cores, um, sandwich construction, vacuum bagged, they're light and they're strong and they're um, they're incredibly uh, sort of futuristic. Just probably because of the black carbon really makes them look right. like a stealthy kind of fighter jet. Right. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so that's where we're at now. With yeah, with- it's not it's not um, sandwich construction, but it is. It's just vacuum bag carbon fiber over EPS, and there's been. Why isn't is we don't need sandwich construction with the strength of a carbon? Is that it? I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm kind of clueless, so I'm going to ask you yeah, some no, stupid questions. You don't, you don't, yeah. because the sandwich construction that Corsell gives you that tough skin, and then you can just lay up four ounce over the top of that. Right. Um, so I just use two pound stringerless EPS and just vacuum bag carbon over it. It's not it's not a magic trick. There are nuances to how I've gotten it to the point it is and the quality right as with anything but um it's it's no secret really yeah like there's a the guy drew that builds all the losts in florida yeah he's an incredible epoxy guy and and um you know him and i chat all the time on he's Instagram. a great guy and yeah he's, he's a, a really guy. good guy and an amazing craftsman and uh 
And so he, he, he can do similar stuff, you know? Um, have you been to his shop? I haven't. No, I would love to go. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, it's just, it's, it's only cool because he's in it. It's just another surf shop. Yeah. yeah. Glass house, but all the same. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but he, yeah. Drew's a good guy. Yeah. No, the carbon, the carbon works good. Um, so with dark arts, I basically realized because I was building boards and I think what, what made you come to me was like, Chris has a personal carbon that I did. Marcio, all these shapers who own their own poly shop were getting boards glassed and carbon yeah. by me. Yeah. And I, I was in my little shop in Hamul just going, this is so weird how I'm building all these boards for all these great shapers and it must be good, you know? Yeah. And then, um, so that made me think like, well, I need to kind of brand this because they're not going to market it to the point that it needs to be marketed. Yeah. And I need to kind of do that myself because they don't really have the means or desire to do it. They right. love it. They no, say they're, it they're happy to have no one know who you are. And so that's, can, yeah, exactly. So they can just go to you and be like, that's secret sauce over here. You yeah. Know? That's kind of what it's been. It's like, Oh no, I have my guy that does it, you know, and, yeah. and it's a big secret thing, but it doesn't do anything for me as I'm trying to pay my bills and feed my kids. So, for sure. um, I created dark arts to kind of create an umbrella for shapers to market it ourselves, basically, and get the word out there. So we signed a license with John Pizel and um, with Smith Shapes recently, and we're going to kind of work the license with them and build vertically in our shop mm-hmm. because that's the best way for us to be able to get it out there and market it ourselves. Yeah. And I'm excited because John hit me up on Instagram and was like, uh, John John wants a couple boards in carbon. And I was like, oh, cool, because I – the biggest thing to refine is feedback. Yeah. It's hard to get feedback from, yeah. From people like Kyle Lenny and whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, John John's is going to be exciting because, because he's a sailor. Like yeah. He's used like everything he uses is carbon fiber. Like everything on his sailboats, probably a lot of it he loves- is either carbon fiber or some other special weave. Yeah. Which actually gets me to the, to the question, which is, you and I both know that there's other cloths and other weeds. I mean, there's some space age groovy stuff out there. Totally. And it's not black. Totally. It can it can be white yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And and so I mean, it seems to me at least me personally, that's the big hurdle is oh, it's a black surfboard. That's kind of hard for me to swallow. Right. Because of the heat factor or whatever, you know. Right. Mostly the heat factor. Is the right. wax going to stay on my board? You know? Right. Um, is that something that you're looking at? Are you looking at other weaves and other cloths and other fabrics that are out there that don't have that black, but have all the magic sauce? Yeah. I'm always looking, I'm always looking and you got something poking my head around there. Um, I don't have anything that I, that I'm really truly like excited about. Um, but we also just do like a pigment over the black in the hot coat and that kind of solves that problem. Yeah. Um, I always tell people like, well, your wax is going to melt regardless in your hot car. Yeah. You know, you're not going to leave your surfboard in the sun really. And once your board's in the water, your wax isn't going to melt. So, um, well, I think frankly, the other little thing that I'm, I'm sure you've thought of this, but this is what came to my mind Yeah, is that as you know, um, like right around, Oh, seven after the Clark foam thing closed. Yeah. Aviso came out with those black surfboards and yeah. they were hollow. Yeah. I think Solomon made them or, or there was some connection. Yeah. There, they but looked great. They looked great. Yeah. Right. But they, 
but they were literally hollow. Yeah, they, and and they didn't. The market didn't necessarily wrap their arms around those boards right. for whatever reason. They tried. Yeah. Um, and so when people see your boards, I think sometimes they might just go, "Oh, it's one of those boards that didn't work yeah. ten years ago." Right. And it's just the black cosmetic of it. Oh, no one really has the. They don't. They haven't figured out that no, dude, this is just like, you know, yeah. a foam core surfboard. Yeah. Have you thought that maybe that's a little bit of a hurdle? Yeah, it's all marketing. It's yeah. marketing in a sense where, you know, you got to get the message out. And that's the biggest hurdle with the whole thing is just marketing. Yeah. And I realized that you could have a great product, but if you can't market it right or market it well enough, then you're going to have the simplest hurdles that you can't jump over. So, yeah, um, yeah the visos, and that goes back to whoever created that aviso and whoever's behind the engineering of that it's an incredible looking surfboard it's a bongo drum it didn't <laughs> it didn't surf right right it looked great yeah. so it checked that box but all the other boxes it didn't check right. um and it comes down to the core which when i was talking with mark price at surf expo is um the eps core he thinks isn't going to be around in the next 5 years there's tons of technology that's coming out um the eps core it's it's good, but it could be better. And there's heat tolerances and the way you can make surfboards a ton of different ways, but there's restrictions because of the core, either it melts or whatever. So you're left with, you know, your hat, hands tied behind your back in certain aspects. Yeah. So yeah. the way that I build them now is kind of my answer to what I have available to me yeah. and the best way to make them, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So are, are you... Um... Are you sort of tied to the technology or to the process so that if something better does come along, you're not able to be flexible and fluid and change? Or are you ready to just go, hey, guess what? You know, friggin' Dow just came up with this insane yeah. weave and I'm ready to vacuum bag the crap out of this. Yeah, we can, we can implement anything at any point in time, yeah. either a new core or whatever. And I've tried a bunch of cores and, and what's out there right now, but I think the EPS right now just is the best one so yeah. far. So. Yeah. And tell, talk me through this vacuum bagging process a little bit, and the listeners too, because we're all kind of kooks. Like we think we know what we're talking <laughs> about, but I mean, my assumption is that. Well, I'm going to let you talk me through it. I'm not going to try to yeah. guess. But what is the process? And and part B of that question is why doesn't everybody do it? Right. Okay. And I think I've listened to a couple of podcasts with some glassers on in the past where they had some insight on it. Um, Okay, so the first part, so vacuum bagging is pretty simple. You just basically lay up your cloth as you would, and then you would apply vacuum pressure to it. So you have to add materials on top of that cloth um, that allow it to go into a vacuum bag without adhering to the vacuum bag. And then you also add something in there that allows the air to pull through the surfboard. It's not super scientific or crazy. It's just a simple vacuum bag method. Um, but it's been when, done for 30 years by the aerospace. Engine. When you apply it to a surfboard, there's just little tricks and things that you have to adopt yeah. in order to, to make the surfboard right, like, rock or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's basically vacuum bagging. Right. Pretty simple. Um, I think the reason why people don't do it or everybody does it is because it's, it's, it's you're going to have to change your factory. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like, just grab a vacuum pump. Right. Let's get a few materials. You'd have to kind of just switch your whole program up, and that's not feasible. And, and that, in fact, is probably part 
th- that's true with anything. Like, yeah, if somebody comes in with a new resin or somebody comes in with a new fin plug or whatever, and it's like, this is the shit, man. This thing's going to change the world. Right. Everyone goes, wait, 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 wait. This is how we do it. Yeah. And there's that block, right? Do you think that's a problem? I mean. Yeah. Surfboard glassers and builders in general like to do things one way. Right. This is how I do it. This is how it's been done since (laughs) 1960. This is how you, and you know, like the guys at Moonlight, they make beautiful surfboards. Yeah. Like. They do. Most of mine are from there. Yeah. No. And, and you know, the pin lines are insane. The tints are insane and, and those are great. And that's their program. And, and I, I love it. Yeah. Then there's the other side of like my epoxy shop is just epoxy. There's no acetone in it. There's no harmful chemical really it's just epoxy yeah there's no smell yeah you walk into the shop it smells like your house yeah it's kind of crazy so and and there's also this this sort of feeling i guess that i have that that the general surfing populace just isn't that advanced like guys that are surfing blacks or south mission jetty or whatever okay they're into it you know but Joe Blow that's out at Cardiff Reef on a Sunday because he's not mountain biking that day yeah. isn't really like, oh, I need a Ferrari. I just need a bus pass. To, you know what I mean? And right. you're, you're kind, it feels like you're making super high-end Ferrari type stuff, mostly because of the aesthetic of it. Right, you know? right. So there's that like sort of – Yeah, you know, yeah. Like so how do you market it to the guy right. that just gets his pigment board or whatever? Yeah, I totally agree and – um I don't know. I think there's a need for, like John Pizel said, he's like, it's, it's not going it, to, it's not going to replace a board. It's just going to be another tool in the toolbox. You yeah. Know? It's just that next tool. So, um, I think what we're going to try to do is put together a demo program so that people can try them. And I think that's going to be yeah. a helpful thing for people to just wrap their head around them. Because when you ride them, you kind of trip out. And, and Pizel will help with that a lot, right? Help get the foot in the door at the shop to, to, yeah. to launch that type of program. Yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. So, Hey, a quick break in the podcast to tell you about Monkey Surf Resort in the Telos Islands in Sumatra, Indonesia, providing better access to premier Telo Island waves. I'm going to be going out to the Monkey's Resort this season. I'm extremely excited about it. I've been to the Telos Islands before. There are tons of super good waves, and I'm going to do my best to get into a few of those at the Monkeys Resort. Monkeysresort.com, providing better access to premier Telos Island waves. Check them out, monkeysresort.com. And now back to the podcast. And now back to the podcast. What is the 3,000 carbon fiber cloth? 3K. I saw on your website you use 3K. Oh, it's just that's just the term that's you know, they, the weight of the carbon. So there's different weights and the basic five ounces of three K. Right. So it's marketing lingo, right? Right. Okay. (laughs) And what about, um, I've heard shapers tell me that I think it was Jim Banks, that basically the carbon weave that you see on these polyester surfboards that are everywhere, they're on the tail, like, Oh, let's throw some carbon on the tail. Yeah. But it's basically aesthetics. It's just kind of eye candy and window dressing. Yeah. And it doesn't really have an effect on no. the performance of the board. Yeah, it doesn't. So in my opinion, carbon fiber needs to be infused or vacuum bagged in order to really use it properly. And even the tapes, I mean, the tapes are great. And maybe with that hand layup, you know, you add a hand layup carbon tape and it gives it a little bit of um, a little bit of exciting reactivity to the board. Um, but 
you really get the benefits of carbon when you bag it, you know, cause you need to have that 70, 30 kind of ratio of, of wet out, you know, that's, yeah. that's when the carbon's really flexing and flexing back. So, right. And people say, Oh, it's, it's stiff cause it's carbon or whatever. And it's just, in my opinion, it's just faster. Everything's just faster. Right. You know, it bends, but it bends faster. And that's what, it's tough and it reacts quicker and that's why it's used in performance products you yeah know? so and your boards don't have stringers they don't have stringers um i've built them with stringers but i don't really see a need for it i think unless you just i don't know yeah need it to last forever or whatever but yeah. what about those those blanks that dan was doing with the um inside right inside with the, it had a carbon yeah. Thin carbon, I don't want to say core, but it had a thin carbon layer in the center of the foam. Yeah. So um, after Firewire, Dan, I've always kind of hung out with Dan. We're kind of tinkers and mm-hmm. I talk to him every week to this day. And um, he was creating the inside blank and I actually helped him with that a little bit. So that was a good idea. It was, it's just a floating kind of piece in the middle of the foam it was hard for shapers, I think, to wrap their head around. I'm like, well, where is it? And how do I shape oh, amongst right. it? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. What if I get into it? Yeah. It's a good idea. Um, you just, needed a close tolerance blank or somebody yeah, was... Yeah, there was just a lot of new... Like you said, people don't like change. You throw them a curveball and it's like, oh boy, what is this? You know? And I'm sure they worked great. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. It's yeah. tough introducing a product into the surf world and it being accepted and you know whatever so for sure yeah it's a difficult hurdle some of this i don't want to say stubbornness but um but on this other side of the equation there's guys like you like when i think of epoxy resin guys i'm like you know what there was john bradbury back in 1983 or whatever that was just doing it you know and like and in a dangerous way like not really even sure what they were dealing with and yeah and you know, they got yellow boards and there was just a bunch of clunkiness with the resin and it just wasn't as yeah as good now as it is now. But it was guys like that that were like basically jumping over the little hurdles, eating the elephant one spoon at a time to get to a place where we're now where like it's epoxy resin. The companies have made a better resin, like everything's sort of changed. And so I, I think it's important that we have sort of futurists such as yourself that are willing to like do things outside the box. Yeah, for sure. And with this Dark Arts Carbon Board, basically the price point's higher. It's $1,200 at retail. And I think, you know, surfboard builders in general are selling themselves short. They need to raise their prices, you know. Yeah. Like glassing prices need to be raised. And, I agree. And if, if backyard guys are bringing blanks to Moonlight or, you know, they probably wouldn't even glass it. But, you know, if they bring them to a glass shop, those glass shops need to charge 600 bucks yeah. to glass that board because – that finished price of that board needs to be what a board would be at retail. You know what I mean? Or you're just, or you're just kind of giving them a sense that they can, they can make a board and make a board company, which is great too, but they need to uh, realize like, Hey, there's guys that have been doing this for a long time and it's hard to pay bills. You know what I mean? Yeah. So glass shop prices, in my opinion, need to go up. My hope is with this elevated price, it kind of, it shows, hey guys, like raise your prices, make something really good, you know, yeah. and 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 sell it at a, a price where you can pay the rent at your shop and pay your guys a living wage, you know. Yeah. Because back in the day, like I said, airbrushers would they could buy a house on airbrushing surfboards. It's like 
there's none of that these days. Yeah. So um, it's a tough it's a tough industry for sure. Is the backyard guy what's your biggest threat? Do you think is the, is it the backyard guy or is it? Yeah, you know, I I don't really I don't really think about that. I don't really yeah. feel like I have a threat or anything. Okay. I kind of just Good. like yeah, no, I, I just feel like and I and I'm talking with John Pizel, just saying hey, like I don't I don't see as this product is being, I wouldn't say better than something. Again, it's just like, it's just another form of it, a little more refined yeah. using a, a higher end material. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think about threats really, you know, yeah. I just figure out like, how can I plug myself in and what I've done into the equation? You know, right. like, is it, is it the demo programs? Is it the licensing deals with bigger brands to make more awareness and marketing and stuff like that. Are you open to, I mean, obviously you're open to other brands jumping on board, right? I mean, have you had other discussions or is that kind of a, I mean, obviously that's sort of a touchy thing because you want to keep the guys that you have excited. Yeah, no, I think right now we're just rolling out with John Pizel. Um, and I've had a lot of brands interested yeah. that have contacted me and, um, I, I I just really I'm excited to work with John John and John and yeah. just figure out because I really want to make this board uh, something that is usable on the big stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. To where they can pull it out on a tour stop and and it works for them. That's the ultimate validation, right? Is if we can win a CT event on one of these boards, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll play out, right? We're, we're gonna try. Yeah. Yeah. San Diego is an interesting place, right? Because I don't know what it is. For whatever reason, um, it's been a, a hub of board building since maybe the beginning. I mean, when you think about like, um, I mean, you could go to Bob Simmons and then go to GNS and then go to Skip Fry and then go to Rusty and then go to Christensen and then think about the Oceanside Airport Road crew, a whole nother crew of guys that have been doing it up there forever, like and Lyndon, and then there's Marcio and yeah. Josh Hall. I mean, there's just yeah. guys everywhere, and there's it's all ton. within this county. Yeah. Why do you think San Diego has that? I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I, That's a good question. I have no idea now that you think about it like yeah. that. It's weird. There's a ton of board builders here. Yeah. It's a trip. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe because it's, it is it's it's really expensive here, you know. It's like okay, so how does that work out, you know? But the good news is is that you have upscale, coastal dwelling, educated, right. usually well employed consumers such as myself that are like, right. yeah, I want one of those. <laughs> I want. So I was looking at your fish. I'm ready to plunk down for that thing. The thing looks fast and sexy. You yeah, know? yeah. So there's there's you know two sides to that, right? right? For sure. There's definitely people here that are well employed and and they can afford a, a yeah. surfboard for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, finding your lane amongst those board builders and staying busy. It's yeah. It's a trick for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a labor of love yeah. on some level. Um we know we have a best in show category this year called alternative performance. Cool. It's free to enter it. Yeah. You need to put one of your boards in there. Yeah. Create something crazy or not. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um Wayne Rich and um Roper and Peter St. Pierre are the judges. Okay. And specifically this category, there's three categories, but specifically the alternative performance category, those guys are going to be looking at not just the design of the surfboard, but 
the fabrication of it. Yeah, and yeah. that's the only category where they've specifically decided to focus on okay. cutting-edge stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I might have a chance. We need to get you involved in that. <laughs> yeah, and again, no it's, worries. it's free. Yeah, I'd love free to, to do it. Energy. I'll do it for sure. Yeah. I think we're going to do a booth at, at the boardroom show for oh, sure. Cool. So, Well, what's next for JT Surfboards and Dark Arts? Man, you know, it's just plugging in all the pieces of the puzzle right now and figuring out how to make it work, you know? Yeah. And I, I try to just get as much sleep as I can and work as hard as I can and hopefully, you know, make the right decisions to make it work. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at now, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's yeah. a crazy endeavor to take on and it's, um, yeah. So, but it's exciting, you know, Yeah. to make boards for the best guys in the world is, is something I love to do. And, to see how they work and get their feedback is exciting for me. So Does John John pay for his boards. John John pays for his boards. Yeah, good man. Kyle Lenny pays for his boards. How's Kai doing? How many boards is he getting? Uh, Dan was supposed to drop off a couple today that he ordered from Dan. So uh-huh. um, I know that the one I made him with Dan a couple years ago, he's been riding that all the time. Yeah, and I talked with him on the North Shore, and he's he loves it. He Are those loves um, the carbon board? Towing boards, boards that he's towing in with, or no, just, just his normal, just his normal short, short board. So yeah, oh, cool. yeah. It's and are those black or do those have some aesthetic, aesthetic that you like a coloring or something? So he gets them painted with a guy that he knows. Okay, that Red Bull. Okay, blue, so blue and red. Yeah. So a lot of the boards that Kai's riding are your, your glass jobs. Um, if it's I mean, a, if it's a short board, yeah. Probably. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's super important. I mean, people need to know that the, you know there's. He could get his board's glass in Maui, but he's not. You know, what no, I mean? there's a reason why him, he orders them from Dan, and then Dan sends yeah. them to me, and and yeah, hmm. and he he believes in it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, his board setup, like the paint, adds a little weight. He adds traction on the deck. Um, he rides certain fins, and then he also has that little mink systems thing going on, which I don't really know much about. But is that the Doug Silva thing? Where you put the little things on the yeah, tail? Yeah, exactly. So I yeah. checked that whole thing out on his board, and I, I didn't know what to think of it. But, you know, he says, hey, it, it works, and I'm not going to I spoke. There's <laughs> going to be a guy at the boardroom show. His name is Ricardo Rossi. You might know him. Mm. Anyway, he's a computational fluid dynamics expert, an Italian guy. He, cool. he worked with, like, he's at, from Stanford, and he's worked with all the best Formula One cars. Cool. And he basically takes surfboards and puts them into his program and goes, this is where it's hot and this is where it's not hot or whatever you yeah know? yeah i, I don't I've even know seen, the lingo i've seen that yeah and he's going to do a seminar at the boardroom show but we were talking about this thing this doug silva's thing you know yeah and um more will be revealed you know we're not sure you know he, yeah. needs, he needs to look into it himself and test it out but. i think with alternative materials like carbon and and all that you know you're you're planing and you're going faster than you normally would in a sense. And guys that surf really well can generate speed quickly. So then at that point, it's all about controlling the speed, you know, whether it be with fins or something else. That's a quality problem. Yeah. I love that problem. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Give me the speed. I'll deal with it. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. Well, is there anything that we didn't touch on? What did I forget? Ah, I don't know. I think. I think we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Darkartssurf.com, right? Yeah. Justin Turnus, JT Surfboards. Yeah. And um, we're stoked. Thanks for coming. And, and we'll see you at the boardroom show. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Pumped. 
funky ass style I love you twice a month since you had our first child I love runs deep like the blood in my veins I love you always and always the same love remains Love you every change, love you every phase The passing of the days, that's when you're away Oh darling, darling, if you stay my love will never change Feel the power, when our two hearts will combine The power is yours, and the power is mine When lovers part, you know the sky must cry Write your love letters to my pen from try If you stay, good love and make me wanna fly If you go, rise and fall, dip and die You who have lived so I shine so bright I love you darling till the day that I die